Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? We're back. Part two. Question. Um, from the team of the guys that do the jackass from MTV, the guy that's a comedian now, what's his name? Steve-O? Yeah. How do you say his name backwards? Oh, Steve. <laughs> there we go. Part deuce, ran foots, Aries. Oh, wait. Oh, he goes, Aries. You have the power in my He-Man voice. I thought he meant uh, as in uh, you got the power. You, you got, got the, the touch. touch. But no, he means He-Man. You have the power. Wow. Okay. Went a different direction with it, dog. Um. This is the nigga with the slave name, Rand Foots. Rand Foots from the city of Chicago. I appreciate the real discussions that you and Andy have. Aries, my nigga, you have to give yourself credit. You always say in regards to Candace Owens that you are not equipped to break her down intellectually. I disagree. When I listen to the podcast, I hear two comedians that are in touch with what's going on who have impactful discussions, 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 in which are a direct reflection of what's going on. Andy, the elder in the fray, has some good points and is very wise when it comes to his to this game of life. Aries, you have the wit to have a discussion with Miss Owens and you can break her down comedically. I doubt she can go toe to toe with you, my nigga, and your points are valid. Let me stop real quick. I don't know, dog. I, again, I really don't. This bitch uses a lot of words and um, she has a lot of statistics, though. A lot of stats yeah. that will fucking throw me off, and then I will just end up calling her a bitch <laughs> to, to suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> go, uh, go all Dave on her and kick her in the pussy. Kick her in the pussy. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, 
I'm sorry, forgive me. Oh, you have life experience. Living this life as a black man in America is hard. Um, and let me just say this too. Here's what sucks about Candace Owens. Seriously, the bitch is cute. Like she's fucking cute. I'd love to throw her a bone. But then she feels how she feels and she is how she is and I can't stand her. All right. Your experiences as a black man uh, can trump and deflect anything she says. It's not about how many words you know or how often you use big words to get your point across. To me, Candace is smart, but she is stupid and ignorant of the plight of our people because she hates herself and her people. Getting a point across doesn't mean to embellish your statement with a colorful uh, vocabulary. The simpler, the better. I am a poet, a writer. My best work is the ones that I keep it simple. Getting from point A to B to get people to understand the concept of my pieces. You are a comedian, my nigga, and I know you have the intellectual fortitude to combat such a witch. Would you, uh, you would demolish her with jokes, and you are socially aware. Sorry for the long email, but the nigga with the slave name has spoken. Much love to you both. And lastly, this has been bullshit. This year has been bullshit. Yeah, and Ram Foots, don't let the white man catch you writing. Or else you in trouble, nigga. You know you ain't supposed to be writing. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, man, listen, dude. Um, <clears throat> I really wish I could cut her down. but And, and this is not me trying to demean myself. Um, I listen to her talk. And again, it sucks be- when you know something is bullshit. You know what you're saying is right, but if you're not equipped verbally to spar with such a person, um, you're going to lose and you're going to look bad, even if you're right. Um, and I'm glad you, I'm reading this because this actually brought me to something that I forgot to mention uh, in the podcast that Andy and I did, which I think was two podcasts ago. Here's what I love about what we do uh, with words. Uh, and, and and being in a moment. I've always said I've never been a professional athlete. I ain't never going to be one. If I ever had dreams of being that, that ship has sailed. Um, but what I do like is whether you're an athlete performing on a on a field, on a court, whatever whatever is your stage, <clears throat> athletically, comedically, our stage is our court and our field. And what we do share in common is if you is the ability, especially if you really have the ability, and as a comic, you should, is to be able, like an athlete, to see the play two times quicker than the opponent. You you two steps ahead of the opponent. Magic can throw a no look, a no look pass, or can go through the legs of somebody. Michael Jordan can go in the air, see the defense, turn his body, and he can get the playoff. Because he's two steps ahead. So whenever I deal with a heckler, they're always equipped with one in the chamber. And that's it. They're not equipped to go toe-to-toe. Because they think the one in the chamber is going to dead me. But what they don't know is I'm prepared for your shot. And I got two for your one shot. Like I was when we did Dallas, this dude, this black dude, tight shirt. Shorts. He had on uh, moccasins with no socks. Um, and, you know, I know there are brothers that do it. He was an example. But culturally, niggas don't wear shoes with no socks. 
Um, now, sandals is a little bit different because a sandal with a certain kind of pants can, you know, bring the life, to, bring the life, the outfit. But really, niggas don't wear shoes with no socks. We we sock people. Uh, that's really a white thing. So at one point, uh, you know, I said to the brother, I said, hey, man, how old are you? He said, nigga, I'm same age as you, maybe a little bit older. I'm old enough to be your daddy. I said, nigga, you couldn't be my daddy because my daddy ain't a nigga that would wear shoes with no socks. And the crowd lost it. First of all, he thought him saying I'm old enough to be your daddy was going to win the fight. That got nothing from the crowd. So not only did his one shot fail, but I was prepared for that and then some. Um, And it's no again, it's no different from Michael doing a move or Magic doing a move. Because the move is what makes the crowd go, ah, did you see? Same thing with stand-up. When a motherfucker throw that shot out there and you throw it back times two, what does the crowd do? Ah! So I love that, man. So back to what you were saying, I don't know that I'm equipped to do that with Candace because when she throw out them stats and some of that vocabulary, now we're playing a different game here. Yeah, I could say some things comedically, but she's trying to prove points with stats, facts. And I, and how you combat that, I have to have stats and facts. And I'm not educated enough on certain things to, to counteract that. But I know that at the heart of what I'm saying is, you coon-ass bitch. That's the bottom line. You're selling out your people. You hate yourself. You, you, you're a traitor, you coon-ass bitch. But you can't say that in that arena. You can't, because the minute you resort to that, now you've lost the fight. So you have to fight that fight on, on her level. And I don't think I could do it on her level. I, 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 I agree and disagree, but I think you can. Because let, let, me, let me throw this at you. Okay, let's say she said, I'm not, I'm not uh, anti-black. I'm not saying that I'm 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 I'm, pr- I'm a proud black woman. That sounds weird for me to say that. I'm a proud black woman. <laughs> no, I'm just go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but what I'm but I'm saying is that there are plenty of black successful uh, men in America. They have they have went through the system and they have been successful. So if if there's a if there's a roadmap, if it's it's shown that it can happen, what I'm saying is all black people should be able to be successful in this country. Uh, why? Why do you say that? That where's where's the difference between what you're saying where Black America is and these proven successes of Black America? Yeah, I, I just you know, but but break her down then. Say what? What would you say to that? What would you say if she said that to you? That, she, she would say way more articulately than I did. But yeah, I I, I know what you're getting at. I, I just because that's 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 essentially what she's. What she's trying to put out there, but she's minimizing the negative experience, right? And, and just but but she but she acts like all the things that 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 naive white people that are in denial say. She says it. Oh, you know, um, all lives should matter, and 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 uh, you know, uh, statistically, black people were killing each other at a rate to where you know the focus should be on that. And not about the cops and, you know, we need to take responsibility for X, Y, and Z. And, you know, George Floyd was a, was a, was a criminal. And 
You know what I'm saying? Like like all the things that they go to when they don't want to deal with the obvious truth. Well, she's disingenuous when she says these things because it's no way. I don't understand the Democratic plantation and all the things that the Democrats do that we need to understand. It's better over here. And we've said this a million times. I get tired of saying it. Like somehow what's going on over there is different. So it's like, why are you playing this game, bitch? You know, that's what I'm saying. When Dave Chappelle said she's a brilliant idiot. That sums it up. I never would have thought to sum it up that way. Because she is articulate. And she is smart. But she's wrong. And that part of her makes her an idiot. Because she's wrong for the reasons that it's like, are you, are you really saying that about George Floyd at this time in this climate? That's what you're choosing to do when even white people, a good majority of white people are going, that's fucked up. You're going to be the one black person to go, yeah, but... Ahmaud Arbery was doing this. Floyd was doing that. What are you doing? You, you're proudly wearing Make America Great Again hats when this man is doing everything short of starting a race war. I don't know if it's everything short. I think he's... Yeah, well, whatever. Okay. Uh, you know, the way he talks to women of color. When he, when, he, when he does his interviews, he talks down to them, telling three congresswomen who are from this country, go back to where you came from. How is a woman of color? Why are you doing this, you dumb bitch? Well, yeah, and I think that the thing that has to be when she brings up certain stats, like the success rate of black men in, in America who have been, but they're outliers in this. They're not the normal. It's not the, it's not the common story. It's the uncommon right. story. And that's the story that she's holding on to. And I don't understand... I don't get her perspective at all. Like I, as a white guy, I've, tried, I've even tried to see it from that like conservative perspective, right. and it makes no sense to me. I mean, when she went, like you said, when she went after George Floyd, I was like, it, it didn't make a difference because everybody, no matter what crime you commit, and there's nothing saying he was committing a crime. He could have easily been handed. I, and again, we don't even know all the details. But even if he did he had the right to, to live a, to live to be arrested and go to jail if he committed a right. crime and that's the point and that's what she's missing she's trying to make it into some other uh, conversation that when you have uh, when you have broken the law that cops have every right to dehumanize and if i guess if they want to take you out because you have broken the law that's not the case. Everybody has a right to be arre- Everybody who breaks the law has the right to be arrested and go to jail. You know, when I told you the other day that I actually spoke to Killer Mike and, and you know, uh, there's a chance we could get him on the podcast. When he did that BET summit with him, Candace Owens, T.I., and whoever else was up on that stage, there were a couple of moments where he really seemed to take her side and agree with her. And I would love to ask him, Mike, what do you, why did you... I don't you think no I, no I think there's a difference I don't think that he necessarily took her side he didn't get emotional with her he didn't let the emotions he let the facts speak and then he 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 was he said what he needed to when it, when he had to check her but there was a lot of people on the stage that were emotionally having this argument and I and I think that that's what she does this is how she wins her arguments she is disconnected emotionally. It is straight facts. It is this, it is this. And then like with George Floyd, she brought in facts that weren't pertinent to that conversation and she laid them out to enhance or to add 
a different flavor to the argument, to change the argument. She is very good at emotionally disconnecting from the argument. And that's what Killer Mike did in that. He had to go and, and that he always, and I loved it when he did that. He goes, no, let her speak. She's here to speak. And he, and he kept that even. Now, T.I. was on there, right? Yeah. He got emotional. When you get emotional, you lose the argument. But that, and that's what I'm saying. I don't know that I can't get emotional. Okay. I just don't know that I can't get. And because I don't, I'm not equipped with the orator skills. I hope I said that right. Yeah. And to be able to articulate the right way, I'm going to get emotional because I take the shit to heart. I take the shit to heart. I can't. Listen, when I say, and, and, I, and I know that this has probably gotten me in trouble and it is probably why my career is not where it is because I go, mate, you know, look, dude, you posting shit and you're calling black people coons. So maybe I, I shouldn't be doing that. But I cannot stand, I cannot stand these motherfuckers, man. Because t- to just blatantly know to blatantly do what you're doing, knowing what we know, knowing what you should know, to denounce that is, is such a disrespect to your own people. Why would, how, how, do you, how do you look in the fucking mirror? But without her, okay, this is, this is the other side. Without her, you don't have the opportunity necessarily because she's opened up the conversation to a conservative group of people, correct? Right. You have the opportunity now to go in and dismantle what she's saying so that you can so that that conservative side can actually see what the conversation really is. You have that opportunity to do that. I don't know who's stepping up to her to to do that. Because she she's putting out an argument. And you even said yourself, you listen to her and you go, Am I crazy? Because she 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 puts out a lot of facts. And, a, and an argument that seems like it sounds like it makes sense. And it does if you take away all the history. Or it does if you don't know the history. The history. Yeah. If you take away the history and we're, we're going to start this from, from yesterday, then you can make her right. But you have to take an account of the history. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dale Vidur. I hope I said that right. V-I-D-A-U-R-R-E. Vidur. DMV Love. Hey, Aries and Andy. Listening to your podcast, I thought thought it was interesting how you described Baltimore Comedy Factory to D.C.'s Improv Comedy Club. Me being from Maryland, I know exactly what you mean, laugh out loud. Baltimore is a blue-collar town, so that real nigga vibe in B-more is spot on. I saw you a few years back at the Comedy Factory. My wife and I were excited because we grew up on you. I remember as a kid watching you on Mad TV. I will forever remember that Dennis Robbins skit, LOL. From then on, your style of comedy was my favorite, and you became one of my favorite comedians. I still feel like you don't get the respect you deserve. I tell you, I tell you, I don't get no respect. I tell you. Um, I don't know if Andy opened up for you then, but I remember a white guy opened for you. We sat in the front row, and I remember being too nervous to go to the bathroom after the minimum of two drinks. 
because everyone that walked by you, you went in on them in front of the whole audience, LOL. I had to pee so bad, but I held that shit until the end, LOL. The one thing my wife and I remember the most was how you said fat people breathe and how slow people, God forgive me, said McDonald's. Uh, L-M-A-O. Baltimore can be a tough crowd, Baltimore. I've also been to DC Improv, and you're right. It's a different vibe, especially depending on who is there. When DC is more white-collar, you would still be a hit because you're a true comedian. Plus, DC Improv audience are people from DC, Maryland, and Virginia niggas. I know, uh, I know us Northwest niggas are more your vibe compared to the South. But one thing that get us DMV niggas upset is when comedians come here and confuse D.C. slash P.G. County M.D. niggas mixed up with Baltimore. I know it sounds crazy, especially how close D.C. and Baltimore are to each other, but it's two different worlds. The only thing we have in common with B-more is how we pronounce our R's, hard pause, Baltimore or Merlin. That's what you're talking about, Merlin. I'm from Prince George County's M.D. suburb of D.C., so Baltimore niggas associate us with D.C. because our lingo style culture is more influenced by the district. Again, I know it sounds crazy. Baltimore niggas don't even fuck with the state of Maryland. If I was if it was up to them, Baltimore would be its own state slash country within a state. Sometimes I wish comedians who are from here like Dave Chappelle, Martin Lawrence would touch more on our region as I feel like we're becoming more talked about. Hence the term DMV. What does DMV stand for? Mm-hmm. Um. But with all that being said, you and Andy keep doing you guys thing. I love the podcast. I tune in every episode. Hopefully, when you're back in the DMV, I can get a chance to meet you. P.S. Next time you guys are in town, you have to go to a carryout and get some chicken and mambo sauce on Mother's. And yes, we put Old Bay seasoning on everything. Dale Vega. Thank you, Dale. Uh, that was a quick lesson in uh, regional history. Uh, I don't know that I really have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, but yeah, and did, out here's my question: Is the Lexington Market still open, or are y'all closed down? They put Obey on it. Uh, on the rats. <laughs> Cook that. Hey, put Obey on that rat. Put it in crab cake, Baltimore Merle. Dude, that crab cake though that I had it's delicious. I'd still go back and eat it. Was delicious. Um, all right, brother. <clears throat> I would love to know what DMV means too. I tried. I was going to look it up. Let me see. This is a real short one. Rudolph Flores, love the show. Oh, Deuce. He's talking about that HBO show. Deuce, love the show. Franco does good. Loving the podcast, starting from the beginning. Cause want to rate and reviews to boost the rating. Thank you, Deuce. I mean, thank you, Route Route Root. Ten dollar a lot of Aries. Thank you, Rudolph. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that was Andy's show. I, I, I slipped up. I, I wanted to get into it, but then I kind of fell by the wayside. It it, it, it never got to where it should have got. You think that's because they just didn't give it? I don't, I don't know if HBO wanted to get a little bit. Didn't want to really, really put its time into what porn. That that porn air was, but but they, you know, it's funny. I, HBO makes money from subscriptions, not advertising, right? So I wonder how they determine what's a show worth keeping and what's not. I I, I think 
and I'm not sure. You, you, you might know this better. I'm sure you know this better than me. Don't you think that it's the afterlife of the show that they're looking at? What do you mean? Like, okay, um, what's the show that Sopranos? People want to watch Sopranos. It has value, even though right. they recorded. Yeah, you. It had a lot of value when it was on, but its lifetime is going to make more money than it did in its in, in right. it, what, what the series was running. Right. And I think that's what. Don't you think that's what they're kind of looking for now? Is what is going to stand and actually. If it costs you, you know, a hundred million dollars to make a show, right. and you get you make your money back on that, and then you make more with the advertising. But the show that stands up, like Seinfeld, is continu- continuing to make billions of dollars. But also, Seinfeld was popular in the ratings, right? So it was bound to do that, right? But I think that's what isn't that what they're looking for now? Something that mm. can hold up because now with streaming services. They're looking for to be able to put out content that you're going to go back and rewatch or want. But to the see streaming again. services, you pay a flat out fee. Yeah, but you need to have right. the right content, and I think that's what they're looking to build is content now. Right. Because that's that's what everybody wants. I mean, when you look at Disney, one of the biggest shows that they had on there. Well, they have all the you know the Marvel stuff, but that uh, Star Wars uh, to have all the Star Wars product and then have the 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 Mandarin. Man, uh, Mandarin. Yeah, is it Mandarin? Man, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, something like that. Yeah. That that show means something. They're gonna they're gonna keep working with that as long right. as they think that has staying power. Right. It's gonna bring more people in because that's the only place you can see it. Right. Okay. I, I don't know. That's what I, that was what I was thinking that they're doing. But I don't think that I don't think people are really. I think they just try to make the porn that porn industry look okay. Like it wasn't well, like, like it wasn't bad. Right. But was it more about the porn, or was it more about the street life with the pimps and the hookers? It was. It was about all of it. It was all of it together, and it was about when as porn started to change into video, and then you started to get the, the you know the quarter machines. Right. I mean, I, the best porn movie that I've seen that's mainstream is Boogie Nights. And you know, I recently watched that um, a couple of weeks ago. What a great fucking movie, isn't it? With that cast, man: Don Cheadle, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Burt Reynolds. Fucking Paul, what's Louise Guzman? Fucking uh, what was her name? The, the the main chick, not Roller Girl. Her too, but you know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The redheaded one. The redheaded. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was great in that. Yeah. The dude from Fargo, like that was just William H Macy. What a cast, man! It was it was a great cast. I, I, that movie though, and um, Burt Reynolds' character, he's playing, he's basing that character off the dude who made uh, Deep Throat. The mm. director who made Deep Throat, who wanted to make movies. That Deep Throat was is famous because it was the first movie. Right. It wasn't just a. It wasn't like a stag film where you just watch people fucking. Right. It had a. It had a. It had a premise. It was a movie, and uh, I, I thought. I, I just think that it, it doesn't really go through the details of what happened at the time, but it really gives you a, a good experience of uh, a window right. that I thought was really good. But, Don Cheadle, John C. Riley. Yeah, what a move. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Heather Graham was rolling. Heather Graham. We got them all. There you go. All right. Uh, B-A-M-C-D 2017. This is short. Bill and Ted. What's going on, brothers? Hope all is well. Love you guys' feedback. So I was wondering how you feel about the new Bill and Ted 3 coming out. Also, how you feel about 1 and 2. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. I tell you who's real happy about the Bill and Ted, motherfucker. Uh, which one is the blonde one? Ted? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's real happy. He happy. Keanu brought this nigga another movie because we ain't seen this motherfucker since Bill and Ted 1 and 2. So, Did you see 2? 
I didn't even see one. I saw one. One was funny, but two, I didn't. I don't think I saw two. <clears throat> I didn't even know they made it two. I yeah. think it's I. I was never a, a Keanu Reeves fan, right? But I don't know why. Since what I've read about him lately, right. what, in his quotes, oh, he's such a he's such a humble dude, dude. I, I love the guy now. Now yeah. I'll support whatever he does. Listen, uh, I said it before. Um, not a great actor, but great movies. Matrix, Speed, fucking John Wick, Devil's Advocate. Not a great actor, but great movies, man. But y'all. But he lets the character live, though. I mean, somehow he figures out a way to make it work. That, that, that John Wick, right? That's him, right? Yeah. I love that. I mean, but it's not an act. It's an action movie. It's not an acting movie. They wanted me back. So I'm guessing I'm back. Cans. It's just cans. Mirror. Mirror. No, her home is here. Mirror. What are you like, my dad? Ha! I'm a little more than that, Kevin. You know what scares me, John? My wife quits her job and I hate her for it. Those were your words to me, Kevin. Coming out. Okay, sorry. I get lost in the sauce sometimes. Um, I want to go see it, though. I'm going to go see that movie. Eh, I could wait for that. You didn't see the first one. That's why you don't care. I could could see both of those on a download when when they're ready. I saw uh, King of Staten Island, though. Did I tell you that in the last part? King of Staten Island. That's the one with... uh, Oh, the... uh, What you call movie? Um, What's the comedian? Pete Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. How was it? And Bill Burr. Bill Burr is a big leader. I thought it was was really good. Honestly... Mm -hmm. Um, the, you know it's a it's a Judd Apatow movie, yeah. And I thought this was you know I I know he likes to use comedians. He did it, the the movie with Amy Schumer, and right. I thought you know it was good, but I thought he really did a great job with this one. And you know Pete, it was about uh, a kid losing his dad who was a fireman, right? And it's loosely based on his life. His life. I thought they did a great job. I and and Bill. Bill Burr really did a great job. He didn't overact. He didn't right. like. He didn't. He didn't underdeliver. He, right. he played it great, and uh, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really worth seeing. I, I really like that movie. Okay, that's what's up. Um, I can't believe you haven't seen it though. Nah. Um, yeah, you know. I, you know, once upon a time ago, uh, when I first moved to L.A., and my manager was Norm Nixon. Uh, again. Won the first two championships with the Lakers, with Kareem and Magic and Wilk, Silk Wilk. What was his name? Jamal Wilkes. No. Jamal Wilkes. Um, married to Debbie Allen, dancer, choreographer. I bought Norm <clears throat> for Christmas a picture of Larry Bird and Magic as two babies with a ball in between them. And Norm acted funny when I gave him that picture. And I couldn't figure out and find I said, man, do you like the gift? And he really didn't. So he goes, how would you like if I gave you uh, a picture of a comedian? Um, and I, I didn't know it then, but I think he harbored a little bit of bitter, bitterness because he got traded from L.A. for Byron Scott. Right. And he went to the Clippers. Um, so I'm saying that to say this. I don't like going to go see a lot of movies with other comedians in them, unless you're one of my favorite comics. Um, because I get into a space mentally 
where I go, what would I have done different? And I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, but you're an actor. I'm not. And I, and when I get to, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for that. For I'm that. excited for them too, but um, I want me to come first. <laughs> Dude, like when Batman came out, I was excited for all the comedians that were in Batman. Uh, was it Batman? No, sorry, Joker. When Joker came out, there's a lot of comedians in that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I can't remember if I read this email before. You want me to read one? Yeah, you got one? Go ahead. I got, I got one or two here. Uh, this is uh, from uh, Raja Barkley. It's, it's, it's a nice one. It says, uh, hey, Andy, I'm getting closer to my 40s, and you started late in comedy life. Has given me inspiration. If you could give me any pointers on how you'd approach, how you approached your first open mic or whatever your first was, would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to do it. I have much respect to the legends and my purse and my personal own legends that I want to do it right. All that said, I appreciate what you're doing on the podcast and you are truly you. Oh, you truly lack a fucks to give approach. Uh, you take when you have something to say big ups to Aries and yourself. Much love and peace. And then here you can read this bottom part. Oh, <clears throat> P.S. If there is a funny way for you to have a nigga moment, Aries is right. It would be hilarious. But watch your ass, nigga. Yeah, this was it. <laughs> not taking it. If you would have read that, that would have been it. <laughs> that would have been the moment. I'm not taking it. You're, uh, not, you're not doing it. No. It's, it's, you know, there's not a, I don't think there's going to be a funny moment right now that, that, for, for that. Um, I, I don't think you think there's going to be a funny moment for that ever. Now, you know what? Okay, let, let's, let's go back to this <clears throat> before we get into his email, because I'll, I'll give him some answers, and I'd like him to know what you did when you were younger and you first started off, uh, even though you didn't start off late. Um, what you just... Uh, I, use, I, I, I have stopped using it. I have stopped doing the joke on stage right now that I do when I use the word. Yeah. Because I don't want it to be... I, I think this is a more sensitive time, and I think that the joke is funny because it's not no no the the word when it's used is only used in reference to me and how I was affected by it. No one else was affected by it, but it still has affected people in a time when it wasn't this uh, divided and heated as it is right now. So I just I, I've taken that one off the table, and I just don't think that. Uh, Unless I can use it in a joke or if I was in a movie, uh, I, I just don't see any, any call for it for me to be doing that, especially right now. So that, that's why uh, I feel that way. But for this guy right here in your 40s and you're starting late, man, listen, you're going to bring a ton of experience that you have to comedy. When, when I start off as a young – when I see a lot of comics start off as a young guy, and, uh, what sets people apart when you're younger, I think, is when you don't do – uh, young jokes. Even Eddie Murphy did that joke about how he talked about uh, looking at Richard, uh, doing Richard Pryor, but he's taking a, he's taking a shit. Yeah, I mean that's what you know when you're younger, and so that's what you're experiencing. But at, at, when you're in your forties, you have a lot more experience to pull from. So I would just take five minutes of your, you know, take write out what you think is five minutes, and uh, go to an open mic anywhere that you can find one. Don't bring your friends. This is what I tell people all the time. Don't bring your friends. Mm-hmm. Have your moment to go up there do it and see how it feels and laughter is secondary how you feel when you're on that stage and when you get off that stage even when you i think getting off is almost 
as important how you feel afterwards. Because if you do great, you're going to love it. But you know you really want to do it when you don't even do great. And you can't wait to get back up there when you feel that, that yeah, kind of passion. But if you that. don't do great after about three times, get the fuck out. Because <laughs> you're taking up space in the hot tub, nigga. Uh, great is subjective, though. If you feel you're doing good and you have something to say and people are yeah, enjoying Yeah, but laughs matter, nigga. If you, you feel good all you want. But if your shit stank, fuck about the hot tub, nigga. You're taking a place where a bitch can come in. Uh, but go up and do it, man. I think that everybody who has any desire to do it uh, should get up to an open mic and go do it. But just because you go went to an open mic and you did a, a set, don't go back home and put comic on your Facebook profile. Uh, you do it for a little while. Yeah. Become a comic. Yeah, shit. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think everybody should try it. If you have it in you, to give it a try. But honestly, that's why I say comedy, and I'm not... I'm not disrespecting what we do for a living, but comedy is kind of, to me, like the cable installers of the building industry. Like anybody with a, little, with, with a small bag of tools can give it a shot. Yeah. Because you ain't going to fuck up the house when you just run the cables in the attic and uh, around the walls. Right. And then if you do fuck it up, they just come and patch the drywall up. Yeah, but if your cable work is terrible and I can't watch my game... <laughs> Get the fuck out. You're going to get booed and yeah. kicked out. So that's that, 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 you know, there's great people to do this, but, you know, give it a shot. Uh, I, I don't know what will happen to you, but you'll feel better. You'll know you'll, you can scratch it off the list of things that you need to do. Yeah. You got another one? Yeah, I do. Did but, you ever find the one about the dude? That... No, he just said you're bitching too much. Yeah, but I would love to get more. Uh, I'll try to find it, but here, I, I got this one. This one, uh, it's from Reese, he, and I don't have the rest of the name because it's on uh, it's on Twitter. But he, what we were talking about with the uh, with the Wendy's, uh, the, the shooting that happened at Wendy's, uh, Andy. Uh, the problem isn't white cops. The problem is police culture. They act like gangs. The cops didn't need to shoot Brooks. They had no gun. He had no gun. Uh, they had his car. They had his ID. Where the fuck is he going to go? Uh, they talked to him for 45 minutes, called him an Uber, take him home. Then he wrote a secondary part to this. Didn't have to shoot him. What did they talk to him about for 45 minutes, laughing and giggling with him and with no cuffs? A lot of cops do not see us as people, and they are afraid of us. Change the culture and stop hiring cowardly racists. It's not that complicated. Now, I love what he said because he's somewhat correct, but he goes back and forth. He said it's not... It's the pro. He said the problem isn't white cops, but then he goes back to see they see us, they don't see us as people. Who is he talking about not seeing us as people? Cops or white cops? Okay, uh, let's take cops out of it and just go with they don't see us as people. That ties into white. Yeah. So let's don't do that, motherfucker. So then, don't denounce the white part because the two go together. Now policing the police culture is a problem because. When we did talk to those cops, the black cops that we talked to in uh, in Mississippi, right? It, it's it, they said, and this is, and I got, I knew I was going to get some heat for saying they said it was a good shoot. That that, that that okay, but here's my problem with any, and like the saying goes, God damn it, one bad, bad apple spoils a bunch. So I don't give a fuck what a black cop says. If you are not intervening, if you are not willing to rat the bad ones out, if you're not doing nothing to change the fucked up racist culture, then you're with them. Well, and that's that's the point that I'm saying to this, is the police culture is, the reason they feel that that is a good shoot is because that's how they're trained. 
And that's where the bigger problem comes in. So I agree with him, but I disagree at the same time. I agree with you that the police culture needs to be changed and the way policing is done needs to be changed. But on top of that, there is, uh, there is racism within that force. And, and I think that a lot of white people are scared of black people. Did you see the footage? Uh, it was very disturbing, and it even said in the headline how disturbing it was. The footage of all these white police officers in a single line and they were all throwing their handcuffs yeah. on the ground and saying they were retiring from the force. And the headline was, look at all these white cops retiring because they can't kill black people. They can't abuse black people. That's insane. It was directed because of they were no longer allowed to use the chokehold. Right. And they're, they're, they want to retire themselves because they can't use because they can't abuse people to that point. Listen. Uh, just like in this in this particular setting, though, I'm 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 not I, I want I, I don't think cops are bad people. All cops, I do think that they're good cops out there, and I think and again I said this before. I think the majority of cops are probably good, but it only takes a few bad apples to ruin that barrel. And if you're not like you like Aries just said, if you're not reporting them, if you're not if you're not making the change, then you're part of the, the problem. So which is it? Are they all? Are there no such thing as bad cops? No. Or are they all bad? Until they change policing, I, I, I think that, stick the landing. Yeah, it's it's a bad situation. I don't think the I think the I think the police department needs to be retrained. I think I I agree with the with that we have to defund. Some of the policing doesn't need to be handled by a, a militarized police department. I think that if there's people that are. Uh, definitely have we we know when someone is uh, a mental has some, might have some mental issues. You don't need to call it doesn't need to be an armed situation. There there are people that are trained to deal with that. And I that when we talk about defunding the police, they're not talking about there's no police. They're talking about taking that money, those resources, and putting into other things that may de-escalate how we're doing uh, our services on on for people. In this country, because obviously we, we we have more incarcerated people than any other place in the world. Uh, the way, are we? If we don't think that that's a problem, I think not thinking it is a problem. Some of them niggas need to be locked up, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but people with right now, uh, weed is being legalized across the country, and we have people doing hard time for nonviolent weed crimes. Policing, there, there needs to be the justice system needs to be revamped. Policing needs to re- be revamped. And sometimes when I say revamped, and then I read things from uh, other people who are saying that the system is not broken. The system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, and it was to oppress and oppress minorities. I, I can't disagree with that either. So if we have to redo the system, if we have to change the policies, if it has to all be broken back down, listen, I'm for it. Because it is, I. We can use all the statistics and all the facts, but let, let's let's say, uh, you, you there's the eyeball test. The eyeball test tells you that that shooting wasn't a good shooting, but, and, and it wasn't a good shooting not because he shot him, not because he took that. Uh, uh, he the uh, Mr. Brooks was running and then turned with the uh, taser. The reason it was a bad shooting is before. Mr. Brooks even turned around. The cop already had his gun out, ready to fire. Even though he knew he was unarmed, even though he knew he was he was 
uh, was beyond the limit. He knew everything about him. He had a conversation with him, and he already had his gun out willing to kill him. That sounds like a problem to me because he couldn't have shot him when, uh, if he didn't have that gun ready to go. Now, the other guy didn't have his gun out. And I got some uh, letters from some people that said, no, that he's just as guilty. And then uh, uh, a person who reaches out to me, Rashad Simmons, uh, emailed me and said that he put his knee on his neck after he was already down. I did, like I said, I only saw uh, some clips of it. I didn't see that. But there is a difference between uh, the murderer and the other guy who talked to him for 45 minutes never escalated it. But here's how I want to address this, though, too. I never think that he should have been shot. I don't know how I would have handled it, but let me ask you this. We did know where he was going to go, and the police could have went over to that home. But it had they let him go, and had he got in his girlfriend's car, and had he ran over and killed a family, then how would we feel about how the cops handled it then? Now, that did not happen. What happened was something that's, that we have to change. But I'm asking how do we change it because there are implications that if you let someone go who is obviously drunk who was driving and he gets himself in another situation now you're going to complain that he that he shouldn't have been in the car he should have been he should have been picked up he should have been put in jail because he is now he's uh, endangering other people this isn't as easy as just one two three this is how it works and this is how we check the boxes there's there's more to this but that man had the right to be arrested and go to jail. That's what he had. He had every right to assume that he was going to live that night. And that's, that's the bigger problem that we need to deal with right now. My, the thing that I threw out at the end of that was not just a what if, but to say that policing isn't as easy as everybody thinks it is or wants to make it a very simple project. It is difficult. And I understand that they have issues. But killing someone, the ultimate thing to, to, to shoot someone, to shoot someone in the in the back goes way beyond anything that I can I can accept. I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend that you would that would be your job and you would feel that that was your duty. <clears throat> well, let's comprehend this. We got 10 minutes left. <laughs> so let me <laughs> it just bot I can't, I can't you, believe I it. I got you. Um, let me get this last one out. Um, and this is actually I I I fucking couldn't believe I couldn't find this earlier. This is actually I think a response to us and Mookie from Renee. We're starting a beef here. All right. Now it's getting good. Episode 169 response. Aries and Andy, I heard your counterpoints, and they are all valid. But let me clarify some things that would that were either left out or misunderstood. When I say I found him repulsive, meaning Tony, and the whole power comment, it was from the point of me and my wife. She was speaking on behalf of women and the reasoning behind it, not necessarily from her viewpoint. She felt the same as I did about him, not being attractive, no homo. As for his intimidating presence, I still stand behind it. Uh, what I said, compared to Jax and Ghost, no matter what scene, sexual or violent, the fact that you even said let my girl's lip quiver during that scene that's intimidation. The fact that Andy had to get up and get water, that's intimidation. Um, you felt some type of way. Yeah, I know it's all jokes, but it's one of those funny because it's true statements. And that's what I mean by I never got that from him. 
Ghosts and Jacks had those no words moments, and you can you can get moments, and you and can get you just off a stare. In real life, if Tony or anyone walked up to me at a restaurant and told me to take my hat off, trust I wouldn't. It wouldn't go as smoothly. And I'm only five eight, 150 pounds. But here's the difference, uh, Renee. Tony, you might it might not go smoothly, but when you leave that restaurant, you might not make it home. Um, the guy he said, the guy he said it to was a pacifist against scoping out the weakest guy in the room and fucking with him. Again, you're not understanding context. It wasn't that he was the weakest guy in the room. He was the only one wearing a hat. You understand, Renee? He was going after the guy because, as he said to him, hey, they took the bleaches out a long time ago. We don't serve hot dogs here. He was in a high-end restaurant with a fucking hat on like he was at a ballpark. That was the point. Uh... As for me, let me quote the saying of an old wise man. Homie, don't play that. I'm not not trying to measure dicks. I'm just saying in a real life situation, that wouldn't have happened to guys like me and you. I might not take my hat off and I may cause a scene. Um, But if your gut is telling you this guy could be a potential problem. Um, then you have to reassess the situation. Um, I can tell you this. A lot of those mob guys in Jersey and those Italians, you can tell these motherfuckers ain't like regular dudes. There's a different swagger. There's a different, I don't know what you, I quite how to describe it, but there is a different something in their step where you go and you can see it in somebody's eyes. This is a different type of motherfucker. Um, whether or not, you know, whether or not I would have actually took my hat off, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, we were at Ruth Chris. I was going to bring that up. Okay. Go ahead. We were at Ruth Chris. I didn't want to take my hat off cause I don't know when they came up with this new policy, but you weren't allowed to wear hats. Once upon a time ago, you could wear a hat at Ruth Chris, but I guess they changed it and implemented some sort of a code and I didn't want to take my hat off. And what it ultimately boiled down to was, sir, you either take your hat off or you go somewhere else. Now, that's not the same as somebody standing over you with a threat. Because worst case scenario, I just get kicked out. Um, so it's kind of hard to say what do you do because a little bit of your, machi- your, your macho kicks in. Eh, I'm taking my hat off, man, fuck that. And this is, you know, a hypothetical situation we're creating. Um... Let me see. Uh, I'm not gonna do that wrong. It's for me. Home and play that. I make mistakes. Okay. And not everyone was intimidate, intimidated by him. Junior treated Tony like a bitch every chance he got. He even shot him. This guy's killing me, man. First of all, it's his uncle. Their family. You know what I'm saying? His uncle. He's not gonna, he's not gonna. Why, why, why would he be? Uh, uh, why would he be intimidated of Tony? It's his family member. And when he shot Tony, he was going through dementia. He was losing his mind. Renee, do you not understand context? Do you not pay attention to substance? Like, dude, pay attention to the writing, to the words, to the characters, to the plot twists. 
There's a reason for it. Uncle June was losing his shit. Uncle June also liked to push Tony's buttons because he was mad at him, not because he wasn't intimidating, but because he was passed over by Tony for that position that he thought he he deserved. Right. So he it was it was it was fam- it was an irritation. It wasn't that he didn't uh, wasn't intimidated. Not only that, remember Tony was the boss of the family, but he would act like June was still Uncle June was still in charge for respect reasons. For respect reasons. And on top of that, um, uh, you, you said something else. Oh, um, Uncle June, during those times where he kept pissing Tony off by saying he didn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. He didn't know what he was saying. He couldn't. Re- he didn't remember. That's why in that great touching moment on that one episode where Tony is sitting on the couch with Uncle June. And remember, at this point, Uncle June's memory is going in and out. And Tony actually almost started tearing up. And he said to him, why can't you ever say something nice? Don't you love me? And they cut to Uncle June staring into space, confused credits. You're not getting that? Uh, See, this is why I can't talk to Candace Owens. I'm getting emotional, Andy. I don't get emotional about a lot. Michael Jordan, The Sopranos. What else do I get emotional about? Nah, I don't get emotional about pussy. But yeah, man, here we go. Let me finish this. I almost figured out a way to have that N-word moment when you were doing that. Thing. Really? Yeah, only because when you said that about the hats and the rules, yeah. you know that's, that, that's, a, that's a black. Some nigga shit. Yeah, no, it's to keep blacks out of. Out of Roof Chris. No, not necessarily Ruth Chris, but out of bars and restaurants. That whole, but here's why that whole, the whole sneaker thing. But, and here, all that. but here's why that you don't need that because uh, the wrong kind of niggas can't afford Ruth Chris. But I'm talking about even bars when they made those policies. You can't. Well, wear yeah, the hat. That, yeah, you yeah. can't wear the. You can't yeah, wear the, yeah. the, the, the. The shoes, the whole thing. Right. That, 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 I work. Yeah, I worked at many places as they play our music. It, it, yeah. All right. Let me let me not lose track of this dude. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I, I, um, I'm just gonna call it N-word rules. Right. <laughs> Even shot him. Moving on. When I said Meadow and AJ cried over a breakup, I meant AJ and Blanca breaking up and Meadow and all of her men, not over the divorce. They both stayed in the room and cried. Are they not human? That's what people do. I know what you're going to say. Does it everyone? Let me easily <laughs> respond by saying, not me. Yeah, I told you. You that nigga, man. You them people. You them people. Did I ever <clears throat> feel some type of way? Yes. Did I lay in my room and cry like a little bitch? No. I went for walks, smoked weed, and moved on with my life. Everyone, everyone reacts differently. I get that. And that goes into my next comment. Again, I like the show. I was just making a few points, valid or not. I'll go with not. The way you... and especially Andy made your points about power and sons of anarchy and what you both had said bothered you about those shows. I liked everything you guys liked about Sopranos. It just didn't impact me the way it did you. I think it's because I didn't watch it as it came. I saw it years later. Well, that wouldn't make a difference. So I was, I wasn't caught up in the moment the way you guys are. We're not caught up in a moment. We're caught up in great writing, great storytelling. Uh, 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 
impeccable characters, twists and turns and oh shit moments. Women get caught up in a moment. We're not doing that. Um, Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, and Power, I was watching as they came. So I was caught in that moment, which explains why I have them as one, two, and three on my list. Here's how I see it as far as perspective, and here's where I can say I liked it. After watching it, especially that last episode, if you think like me that Tony got shot or you think like Andy and you think you got shot, there is no wrong answer. Here's why. In the scene when Tony sits in the waiting room and sees the picture of the barn, he made a big thing about it, asking all types of questions and got all worked up about the barn picture. When Carmela sat in the waiting room, she sees the statue of the naked lady. Perspective. To me, those are important scenes and explains a lot about the show. You can see the picture of the barn and miss the details. Or you can see the barn door open and all the details. You can see Tony get shot the way I did by watching the scene where Phil gets shot from the side and didn't see it coming. Nigga, put the weed down. You got all that but couldn't get that June shot Tony because his mind was failing. Did you get any of that from the barn in the, in the statue? No, I, I, I didn't. But, you know, to his point, though, maybe June was pretending to be in dementia to, get, to, to be able to do the things that he wanted to and do. And reading on. <laughs> uh, well, you can see the barn. I don't think he likes this because it's not an approachable character to him. He can see himself in those other characters. Both are an assumption. I'm, either way, that scene with Phil getting shot shows us, shows us what either happens to Tony or us. How do I understand how you make the association between Phil and Tony in, in those moments? Phil, they were gunning for Phil because, if, because of the beef. And they felt like if they didn't take Phil out, Phil would take Tony out. One is completely separate from the other. The, the last scene left you going... What could have happened? And you came to your own conclusion. Phil was something that happened specifically for a reason. You know, just throwing this out real quick, the thing that you said about uh, the writing. Right. You know how they said the sm- we were talking about some of the characters in the smaller parts that they had? Right. There, there was no wasted writing. That's why even the small characters were so big. Right. Because the writing was so good, it made, even though you didn't have a lot, your arc was small, right. but, you, but you were important, you were integral into that writing. Which makes me think of the episode where Tony choked a guy out while uh, taking metal around to college campus. Right. Now that dude's role wasn't big, but it was to establish who Tony was. He was a father doing father shit. But when he ran across a guy who was put in witness protection, he went, I got to kill this motherfucker. And to do it while taking his daughter on a campus tour? Come on, man. Uh, But there is no wrong answer. And I did like what Tony represented as a man. Let me say this before ending this. My favorite episode was when Paulie found out his mother was his aunt. His reaction was great. The way he took it out on everyone the day he was so pissed, I laughed every time he had a scene. Also, I didn't hate The Sopranos, and I never said overrated, just to be clear. I can be that guy, 
only if I went to a place I don't want to be or listen to music I don't like. Mainly Drake and mumble rap. I'm 90s all day. Ironic. The Sopranos, wasn't that late 90s? Yeah. See, but I think he likes the Sopranos. He's just looking for these. He didn't. He that dude. He, but he likes it. Nah, nigga. Nah, he likes it. I don't do. I don't do. I don't go to places. I don't go to places. I know I'm not gonna have a good time. So no, I won't have that look because I won't be there. And I find you funny, so that should say something. Rim shot. Okay. I'll keep listening and supporting you guys, and I'll be waiting to hear the emails that are gonna come be coming in about me. Oh shit! I can hear the tapping of the keys. Let me end by quoting Smokey and Friday. Please, if you can do an impression of this, it would be great. And I don't appreciate you sending your punk-ass, buster-ass, jerry-curl-ass friends to shoot me and my homie. You hear that, Mookie? If they, if they, if they like they got, if they like they got dealt with. One love, much love, peace. P.S. Who are you hiring as a bodyguard? To walk down that dark alley full of goons. Tony, Jax, Heisenberg, or Ghost? I'd pick Ghost. Um, I'm going with Jax, dude. Because uh, Ghost's going to have a gun on him. So it could be a shootout. And in a shootout, anybody could get got. It's just who get got first. But if it come to hands, Jax is just that white boy that, you know, don't give a fuck about losing teeth. Eisenberg can't fight. He's just a chemist. Now, is he going to make some device to fuck up the situation? I guess, but I ain't putting my money in that. And Tony can fight too, but because of the fat factor, I worry about stamina. But you know he keep a gun on him too. But to answer your question, I'm going with Jax. Well, what was 50's name in uh, in power? Keenan. I would, Kanan. Go, Kanan. I would go with Kanan. But Kanan ain't on the I list. I know, but I'm going to add him to the list because he could survive a room full of fire. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There, that's it, y'all. Listen, Renee, I like you, brother, and I hope you do keep supporting. But uh, there's a disconnect somewhere between um, your eyes and your mind. Uh, and you got to connect that, brother. That's, you know what it is? I, I have a different feeling with him. I think that he likes those other shows so much, but he really does like The Sopranos, but he can't move them, so he's looking for reasons why. That, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah, that's what I think is going on there. Yeah, man. And, and all the shows that he likes are good shows. There's nothing wrong yeah, with Yeah, I like those shows. So there's no, there's not, that's not the issue. I think he just doesn't want to move his top three around, and so he's putting he's, – he's picking out things that he can move around so that he can leave them <laughs> off his top three. Right. And by the way, after you listen to this, we're actually going to be back on the road in uh, Phoenix, yeah. Arizona. We'll be at uh, we'll be at Stand Up Live, my home club, my home room, and I can go see my kids. And uh, I'll be hanging out there. Oh, Cassie, uh, have you forgiven a nigga yet? Boy, you just know, I, dude. I, t- I said this before. There's just certain cities that you put on your schedule where you've had great success and Phoenix has been a ass place for me some of my best white ass came out of Phoenix <laughs> at least three broads you know I know you always say you like black women better but let me ask you this question yes. did it have anything to do with that girl that you liked when you were in high school that was white and, Ida Burt and she she 
No, because she because she broke my heart. Yeah, you don't think that. And and, and and unlike Renee, I laid on the bed and cried like a bitch. But you, so you don't you don't think that had anything to do with you? No, you still no. think you still. I, I listen. When you're young, you don't know what you like yet. You don't know what you like until you get older. It's almost like look, the Eddie Murphy joke about. You McDonald hamburger, Mama. I want McDonald hamburger. When you're young, you want McDonald's. When you're old, you want that big green welfare pepper <laughs> burger. You know what you like. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized I like fat ass, cocoa skin, and big lips. Um, so you know, and I'm gonna tell you that that as bad as that moment was with Ida. You know what got me through it. Systematic on overload. <laughs> Motoring. Watch your time for flight. All right, I'm done. Come check us out over at Stand Up Live, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, keep listening to the podcast. Uh, we're out. Can you feel it, baby?